Hello, I'm Wendy Myers. I am your host of the Live to 110 podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking about medical marijuana with Dr. Roshna Patel. And this is a very, very important podcast. There's a lot of controversy surrounding medical marijuana, a lot of stigma. And we're going to be talking about the science behind using medical marijuana and how it's really, really effective with very few uh, toxic side effects for insomnia, for chronic pain, and for anxiety. We'll be talking about some of the uh, ways that you can use medical marijuana besides smoking it and how you're not, you're not always you're not going to be getting high from using medical marijuana. Uh, CBD oil does not produce a high, the CBD component of medical marijuana. And we'll also be talking about why you may want to avoid vape pens. These are the oils that you put into a pen and then you can inhale them. So we're going to be talking about how some of those have toxic uh, ingredients in them and why you pretty much probably want to avoid that form of medical marijuana. But before we jump into the podcast, we have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or any disease or health condition, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please keep in mind this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything that we suggest today on the show. Our guest today is Dr. Roshna Patel. She's known as the medical marijuana expert, and she's been practicing in the area of medical marijuana since 2012, in out, right outside of San Francisco, California. She step-by-step walks patients through how to safely use medical marijuana for their specific health conditions. Her background is in emergency medicine, and she completed her medical studies at Toro University College of Osteopathic Medicine, and her undergraduate studies at Northwestern University. You can learn more about the work that she does at drrashnapatel.com. That's D-R-R-A-C-H-N-A-P-A-T-E-L.com. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Wanting to tell the listeners a little about you and how you got into medical marijuana. Sure. So um, I have been practicing in the field of medical marijuana since about 2012 now, so a good four years. Um, And it all started off with, um, uh, I was surfing Craigslist one night and I came upon an ad on on Craigslist for, um, uh, that said that uh, there's a medical marijuana doctor that's needed at a clinic in California. So it definitely piqued my curiosity and um, uh, started to, to look into the field because I didn't know it existed. And um, then what I started to do was I started to do some uh, research on studies that had been out there on medical marijuana. And what really took me aback was its potential as a pain management medication. Uh, my background is in emergency medicine, so a lot of what I saw were overdoses on opioids. And so I knew that that was not a good option. There were definitely cases that 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 sat heavy with me. Um, You know, I I saw children that had overdosed. We had to, you know, resuscitate them. Um, I I saw patients that repeatedly came in to, I mean, basically to to get a high off of these opioids. Um, And then I also had the experience of uh, doing a, uh, what's called a toxicology rotation. And essentially what this rotation is, is that it's 
you see overdoses on prescription medications, and that's all it is. Um, you spend an entire month doing this. And so it was, it was a little bit disillusioning. You know, you go into medicine to help people, and here the very medications that you're prescribing are hurting patients. What I ended up doing was um, I, you need clinical experience as a physician in any field that you're going to go into. Now, there wasn't any formal training in medical marijuana, and actually there still isn't. So I set out to work at a medical marijuana clinic in uh, California, um, and that's essentially how I, how I got started. Yeah, and it's amazing because, you know, 60% of people that seek out medical marijuana do it for chronic pain management. And that's yep. what I did. Um, I use medical marijuana, or I, I haven't recently, but I have in the past. I use CBD oil, uh, yep. an inhaler to manage chronic lower back pain because I didn't want to take constantly take opioid medications, which I had to do when I have a really intense flare-up. Sure. And uh, But the it also helps with sleep. I was also using CBD oil to yeah. aid sleep, which it worked very, very well. So that's something I do recommend a, a handful of my clients as well. But super happy that California just legalized yeah. marijuana for recreational use because yeah. my opinion is kind of like alcohol. It's not a, a big deal. So I don't know why it was illegal for so long. But but getting back to medical marijuana, um, how do, you know, what are the ways that we can use medical marijuana without smoking it? Sure. So uh, several different options available. Um, uh, there is a method of inhalation known as vaporization. And what that essentially does is that you have to have a device called a vaporizer and that heats what's in it rather than burning it. And when you don't, when you avoid burning something, what you're also avoiding are um, the, the sort of uh, toxic hydrocarbons that it creates that's doing damage to the lungs. Second way of using marijuana is in the form of edibles, you know? So you've, you've heard of, you know, your, your typical brownie, you know, um, the, the special brownies that, that people talk about. So uh, although nowadays the edibles are getting um, healthier and healthier, you have, you know, sugar-free options, gluten-free options. So the industry is evolving in that sense. Uh, third option is what's known as um, tinctures, okay? So tinctures are basically drops that you put under your tongue. Um, you do have other options available as well, and this is more for um, uh, patients with very targeted conditions. So you have um, uh, uh, rectal formulations of uh, medical marijuana and vaginal formulations of medical marijuana as well. Yes. Oh, and I also forgot topicals. So you apply this to um, just, you know, uh, to, the, to the affected area on the skin. Um, that's another option as well. Yeah, my uh, a friend of mine, she's um, our nanny. She watches my daughter after school, and her mother has chronic back pain, and she has a, a topical that she puts on her mother's back, and it works really, really well for her pain. And yeah. you know, I just know there's a lot of people in my life that are using medical marijuana and recreational marijuana, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, but, uh, but a lot of people that are using it because it, it's a really effective medication. So let's talk about um, the different forms like CBD oil. A lot of people might not know what that is and what that is, uh, versus how that helps you versus smoking it. Cause we know when we smoke it, you'll lose about 50% of those cannabinoid medicines that are, yeah. that are in it. So, yeah. so that's why people will use uh, other forms of it. So let's talk about the CBD oil and what yeah. exactly that is. 
So first of all, I want to define what CBD oils are, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about CBD oils. So there are, the term oil isn't always an oil. So the chemicals in marijuana can be extracted in oils. There's coconut oil and olive oil. But the thing to watch out for is that they can also be extracted in um, uh, chemicals that are not good for you, such as butane, hexane, propane. Um, So that's important to know, because a lot of times those Um, uh, marijuana extracted in those chemicals will also be referred to as oils, okay? So so be careful about that. Now, there is um, a solvent, uh, another solvent that it can be extracted in, and that's carbon dioxide, CO2, okay? And that's typically referred to as CO2 oil. Marijuana has a bunch of different chemicals in it, right? And um, a lot of what um, had gotten sort of a bad rep was THC in the past. That is a psychoactive compound that does cause a high, although it does have medical benefits. Um, the other chemical that marijuana makes in, in um, high concentrations is CBD, okay? Um, that has a, a medical value as well. Now, at the end of the day, what matters are the proportions of these chemicals that you're using. And a lot of what you're going to end up using will depend on the medical condition that you're using it for. Yes. And so I think a lot of misconception that people have is that I mean, in using any kind of medical marijuana, they'll automatically get a high. I think a lot of people have reservations about it or concerns. And with a CBD, you don't get a high uh, because it doesn't have it. Or does it have any THC in it? Is there like a little tiny bit of THC in it? Or is it totally just CBD? Extraction. Depends. Okay, so it depends, right? So uh, mainly what you want to do is whatever you purchase, you want to make sure it's laboratory tested. And then that will then give you a breakdown of the amounts of the CBD, the THC, plus the other chemicals that occur in marijuana. Um, so that's the thing to look for, right? So typically you have both because the plant makes both. Okay, so um, when people uh, say, you know, use the term CBD oil, typically what it means is that it's a much higher concentration of CBD and a lower concentration of the THC. And because CBD is not psychoactive and you have such little amounts of the THC, you're likely not going to get any psychoactive effects from CBD oil. Like the Does munchies. That make sense? Like the munchies. <laughs> right, the munchies. Yeah, yeah. That's that's very common. Although you know that can be helpful in patients, um, uh, patients who have cancer, for yes, instance, right? Yes. You know, yeah, my... a, their appetite gets suppressed um, uh, from either the chemo or the cancer itself, and that can be very, uh, very helpful for them. Absolutely. My father yeah. was uh, he he's passed now, but he was undergoing chemo and radiation, and he lost 120 pounds in five yeah. in five months. <laughs> Yeah. And he, I told him, smoke some marijuana uh, to try to get your, uh, stimulate your appetite. He wasn't nauseated, but he just couldn't eat. Um, yep. And he tried it. It's like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Yeah. But, you know, it's not for everyone, but I think that'll have been really helpful. Yeah. A lot of patients that, uh, that are undergoing chemotherapy will complain that things are tasting metallic or cardboard-like. Um, and uh, what marijuana does is that um, it makes things more appetizing. So, it, you know, so um, so it, it helps in that sense. And reduces nausea. When I feel, I've had yep. times when I felt really, really nauseated and I will seek out medical marijuana to reduce that nausea right. um, or a coffee enema. Uh, but uh, they, they both feel like really, really well. But I think it's, it's very, it's extremely effective for nausea. 
Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Um, a lot of times better than even uh, prescription medications because you don't end up getting the side effects that a lot of the prescription medications tend to give. Absolutely. And yeah. so how addictive is medical marijuana? So a lot of it, um, I like to equate it to alcohol use. You know, a lot of it depends on how much you're using, how often you're using it, right? So um, if you're drinking like a glass of wine a day, okay, likely you're not going to get addicted to the alcohol. But if you're having like a case of beer a night, yes, likely you are going to get um, addicted to the alcohol. So same case with, with marijuana. You know, you want to keep the use to lowest effective dose, lowest effective frequency, okay? Now, big picture compared to other substances like opioids, like alcohol, it's much less, it has much less potential for addiction. So the number that gets thrown out there is 9%. Um, whereas the other medications um, or, or even alcohol, they fall into like the 20s to the 30% range, okay? Uh, much less likelihood to, to get addicted. So is it really physically addictive because I've, you know, I, I, anything, I think any substance you take over a long period of time, it changes your body chemistry, your brain chemistry, where you'll sure. then be reliant upon that because we know medical marijuana increases the production of GABA, which is that feel-good neurotransmitter sure. in the brain that's calming, reduces anxiety, yep. but and that if you stop the marijuana, that production of the GABA will stop and you'll have anxiety and you want to smoke again. So, so I guess that's, I just explained it's physically addictive, but it's sure. also mentally addictive as well. So again, it depends. Those that are heavy users are more likely to go through withdrawal. Okay. Most of my patients, actually all of my patients are using, um, it, um, in moderation. Okay. And so if you're a heavy user, yeah, you are likely to go through withdrawal and that withdrawal typically lasts about four to six weeks consists of, um, symptoms like changes in appetite, changes in sleep pattern, irritability. Um, but again, you have to be a heavy user. Now, the other interesting thing about marijuana is that it's a fat soluble substance. Okay. So it's not like you stop taking it and all of a sudden your system goes into shock because it doesn't have that substance available. It in fact does have storage of it in your fat cells in your body. So it's almost like you're naturally weaning off of it. So it tempers that sort of um, withdrawal, uh, even in heavy users. And in my, in my patients that are, I mean, most of, at most they're using it maybe three times a week, not more than that, and typically once in a day. And in those users, um, they can come, come on and off of it as they please without any withdrawal symptoms whatsoever. So what, let's talk about some of the conditions. What are the yeah. most common things that you treat in your practice where you use medical marijuana? Sure. So the three most common conditions that I treat are chronic pain, anxiety, and insomnia. Um, beyond that, like I mentioned, um, uh, a lot of cancer patients come to me because they're having side effects from the from the chemo medications that they're taking. Um, within the category of pain, the most common conditions are typically back pain, you know, from patients who have bulging discs, if they have degenerative disc disease, arthritis patients is another group of patients that come, um, patients with fibromyalgia as well. Um, so chronic pain is huge. And then um, so is insomnia and anxiety as well. And, you know, I actually want to touch upon that anxiety bit that, um, that uh, you had brought up. A lot of times patients 
come to me saying that, you know, when I used marijuana back in high school or college, I experienced, um, I felt really anxious. I felt really paranoid. So that has to do with a combination of chemicals that you're using. THC, which is a psychoactive substance, is it is what's causing that paranoia, that anxiety. But again, that's because um, these people probably use it excessively back in college or in high school. So dosing has a lot to do with it as well. And doesn't marijuana increase your dopamine levels as well? And there are some people, if they already have high dopamine, they can be more prone to the paranoia and people are out to get me or talking about me kind of thinking. Again, we don't have tons of research on this. And the research that's been done is in mice um, and in Petri dishes. Um, but it is serotonergic and uh, uh, dopaminergic as well. Yeah, so it does um, uh, uh, work um, in through those pathways to increase levels of those chemicals, um, uh, it, which is why it helps things like migraines, for instance. Um, what's commonly prescribed for migraines are tryptans, and they work through the serotonin pathway. And it's believed that because um, uh, marijuana impacts serotonin levels, that that's why it helps relieve migraines as well. So we don't have tons of research, not in humans, but based on what we know um, uh, from studies done in mice, yeah, it does increase levels of these chemicals in the body. And, and don't we have millions of cannabinoid receptors in the body? And that's why it's, it's positively impacting our body when we smoke it? Or, or yeah. just smoke it or, or use medical marijuana in all the different ways that it can be used. Yeah, so we actually have chemicals in our bodies that are very similar in structure to the chemicals in the marijuana plant, which is why we react to the chemicals in the marijuana plant. And um, uh, the key to our bodies reacting to both the chemicals in our body and in the plant are these receptors. And they're overall called cannabinoid receptors um, and as far as we know, there are two specific kinds. There's CB1 and CB2. CB1 is mainly in the central nervous system, and CB2 is mainly in the immune system. But they're, they're located throughout the body, um, which is why our bodies react to these chemicals. Okay, great. And so yeah. medical marijuana, it works as an anti-inflammatory, which is why mm -hmm. it reduces pain. Inflammation causes yeah. pain. And can you talk a little about that? Because we know that 60% of people that seek out medical marijuana use it for pain. And like I, sure. like I did, I have a bulging disc. I, I think it's healed now, but I'm not, I don't need anything anymore for it. But when I was in acute pain and inflammation, yeah, mm -hmm. I was using medical marijuana because it worked really, really well to reduce yeah. that inflammation. I just used a, the, a vapor pen, a vape yeah. pen or what have you. And yeah. I, I was blown away by how much better my back felt after using it. Yeah. So um, again, based on research done in, in mice and in rats, we know at a ver the cellular level at which, at how marijuana acts as an anti-inflammatory. So what it does is that um, we have these chemicals called cytokines and they are sort of, um, they communicate um, from cell to cell to increase inflammation in a certain area as a protective mechanism. And so marijuana influences that signaling, one, and then it also impacts what are called T-regulatory cells. And these are cells that um, uh, uh, impact, um, that basically they're there to help prevent um, the body from attacking itself, right? So the marijuana communicates with those cells as well. Um, and these are sort of the mechanisms by which it works to reduce inflammation in the body. So from a more clinical perspective, I've had patients that have had psoriasis, right? And so one of the main uh, presentations of psoriasis is that you get um, 
uh, inflammation on the skin. And my patients that have applied the marijuana topically, they found that it significantly reduces the inflammation on the skin. Oh, wow. That's, that's great because yeah. there's yeah. You know, not a lot of treatments for psoriasis that are yeah. successful. Yeah. So what sort of results do you see in the patients that you're working with where you prescribe medical marijuana? Sure. So I went into this field um, after having read the research, expecting that, okay, uh, you know, the marijuana, uh, medical marijuana will be, you know, one piece in the arsenal that patients have to, to help um, manage pain. But what I ended up finding was that it, 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 by using medical marijuana, a lot of my patients were able to slowly stop using uh, prescription medications. Okay. Um, especially, and this is very significant in like patients who have fibromyalgia, they're usually on a cocktail of medications. And a year later, when they come back to me for a follow-up, they're, they're telling me that, you know, this is marijuana is all I use and I don't have to use it every day. And I only use it on an as needed basis. And that sort of does the job in managing my pain. So I was definitely taken aback by that as a doctor, because most of what you do is prescribe medications and then you know, one medication will cause a side effect. So you prescribe another medication. And so you kind of just get into this like rut sort of thing, right? But to be able to, to, to recommend a medication and then, you know, patients are able to come off of these other medications that are causing side effects. I think that's, that's great. Um, uh, you see a significant improvement in the quality of their lives as well, because they're not no longer having, uh, experiencing the side effects of the prescription medications. And do you think that big pharma maybe have a problem with medical marijuana and, you know, spending a lot of money trying to quash the legalization of medical marijuana? Great question. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do. Um, I think it's a threat to a lot of medications that are commonly prescribed for pain, for anxiety, for insomnia. And quite frankly, who in America doesn't have one of those three conditions? Okay. So, um, yeah, it is, it, it, it is a huge threat. I can see why they would push to to not want it um, uh, uh, legalized or or regulated. Um, and the other thing that's great about marijuana is that in a lot of states where marijuana has been legalized, you can grow the plant in your backyard. And what's great about that is that you can grow it organically. Um, you know the, the quality of the plant. You know what's going into your body as well. And it's super cost effective. You can, you can buy a seedling for, they cost... I don't know, anywhere from like 25 up to $45. But that one plant can give you enough medication for like an entire year. And you can put it in different forms that's, that, that's appropriate for you. Okay. So you don't have to worry about, you know, any added ingredients or preservatives or anything like that. Yeah, I've heard people will take the leaves and make tea out of them and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I want to touch on that, the, the, the tea bit of it. Um, uh, there's a misconception around that too. So again, realize that marijuana is the chemicals in marijuana are fat soluble, right? So you can't just just take any part of the plant and dump it in water and expect that water to have those mm. chemicals. Typically, when there's a tea, it what what's done is that those chemicals are extracted in some sort of oil, alcohol, um, or some other base, and then you're mixing that up into mm. a tea. So, but but the main part of the plant that makes all the chemicals are the flowers or what's typically known as bud. The other parts of the plants 
um, they don't make um, as, as much of those chemicals because they don't have these little structures called trichomes on them. Yes. Well, luckily in three states, uh, just with the presidential election, three states yeah. legalized marijuana for recreational use. Do you, how many states currently are legalized for medical marijuana? Do you know offhand? Um, over 23. Mm. So with this recent election, it added another, I think, we're probably in the mid-20s right now. So Great. We, about half the, oh, a little over half the states at this point in time. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's great. Now, the regulations vary from state to state. Um, some are more restrictive than others. You know, some uh, uh, limit the use of medical marijuana to only certain conditions. Um, a lot of times anxiety and insomnia are not listed in those conditions. So it just depends on who can get access to it, depending on the state that you live in. So I see online a lot of CBD oil being sold as supplements yeah. and the FDA just uh, I don't remote know exactly the details of it. They passed something where yeah. you can't use CBD oil in a supplement because they have they've launched a study for it. So now they're claiming it as um, uh, I think they have some proprietary claim on it. Where now okay. it, because it's used in a study and now it can't be used in supplements. Some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, personally, what I think uh, to be perfectly honest. And yeah. so they're trying to in that way regulate CBD oil, but I still see it online. It's still being sold. So if you're yep. in a state that does not allow medical marijuana, can you still purchase it online and have it mailed to you? So, so I want to um, give some clarity on these, these things that are labeled as supplements that are being sold online. There are different types of um, uh, marijuana plants. Okay. So there's cannabis sativa, there's cannabis ruderalis. Cannabis sativa is what makes the CBD, makes a bunch of cannabinoids. So CBD, THC, then there's cannabis ruderalis, what's more commonly known as hemp. Okay. So hemp is high in fiber, doesn't make as many cannabinoids. Okay. Um, it does make CBD. Okay. But in much smaller amounts than cannabis sativa. And so what's going on is that, um, and also cannabis ruderalis doesn't make THC, okay? So what's going on is that these supplements that are being sold online, that's where the CBD is being derived from. So what you're missing out on is what's called an entourage effect. So all those other cannabinoids that may be impacting the CBD, you're not necessarily getting that effect. Now, clinically, what have I seen as a physician? So I do get patients that come in and that tell me, hey, I purchased this online. Um, it's, you know, it's a CBD capsule or CBD oil, but I'm finding that it's not working. Okay. So, um, uh, so what I find is that when they go to the dispensaries here, and most of those products are derived from that cannabis sativa, um, it works a lot better for them because you're getting the effect of the other chemicals as well in there. Yeah, and going back to the different forms of medical marijuana, mm -hmm. um, I yeah. experimented myself, and I took a, a capsule of okay. CBD oil and okay. found uh, it, it worked well. Like I was using it for sleep. I'm like, how okay. am I going to get myself to sleep tonight? Okay. <laughs> and so I took a pill and found that it, it wasn't as effective as taking a tincture underneath my tongue. Can you okay. talk about the differences? Why? Yeah. So I have a question for you. That, that uh, capsule that you took that had the CBD oil in it, first of all, do you know what the, what the oil was, what it was extracted in? Um, I don't know offhand. Okay, so that like, like, it was in a gel capsule, and it was from a medical marijuana store. 
Okay, so it so, wasn't so the Ritaralis. Yeah. Main thing you want to look into is that it's lab tested, whatever it is that you buy. Okay. Um, and you want to, again, that breakdown that I was telling you about, this lab testing will tell you the amounts of the THC, the CBD. That's very important to look into because that's ultimately what is going to have the effect on your body. Okay. So whether you're buying it online or you're buying, I don't even know if it's legal to buy it online, but if you're buying it online or if you're getting it from a dispensary, just make sure whatever you're buying has been laboratory tested. And the other thing is, is that absolutely make sure what ingredients are being used because you certainly want to don't want to be consuming something like propane or hexane or butane sort of thing okay so at this point so you so the question i would ask is you know do you know the amounts of the different chemicals in the capsule you were using versus the tincture have, do you still have the labeling with you you know what i i do it's in the other room i okay. know that the pill i was taking was a 10 milligram and 10 milligrams CBD. the tincture, I probably just dosed myself to death. I'm like, you're sleeping tonight. Okay. <laughs> so I okay. Don't, I don't so, remember offhand. It was a little while ago. Okay. So that brings up another important point. You don't want to overdo the marijuana. Yeah. Um, specifically, what I found with pain is that you need to hit a sweet spot. If you underdo it, obviously, it's not going to help. But if you overdo it, it can make your pain worse. Mm. Um, so that's, that's important to keep in mind because I've had patients that, you know, they've been struggling with pain for years. Then all of a sudden the marijuana is working for them and they start to overdo it. And then they'll get phone calls telling me, Dr. Patel, this, this is making my pain worse. And that's because they're overdoing it. And that's why the, the focus should always be, uh, minimal dose, minimal frequency. Um, so using more isn't necessarily better. And do people, as they progress in using medical marijuana, begin to build up a tolerance and then have to slowly increase the dose little by little? So nobody should have a tolerance to marijuana. If you have a tolerance, that's a sign that you're using too much and you need to cut back. Mm. Um, so so that's what I'm teaching patient, patients. And, and so with the methodologies I'm teaching, usually when patients come back to me, the, you know, the, one of the questions I always ask is that, are you finding that you're having to use a higher and higher dose and having to use it more and more frequently? And usually the answer is no, because we've worked for the beginning on keeping um, the dose and the frequency minimal. Um, and, and you can keep it minimal. You don't have to keep on increasing the dose because you have stores of it in, your, in the fat cells in your body. So even on the days you're not using it, it's still in your system as you're burning off those fat cells. It's still helping you. Oh, well, yeah. And there's a, a yeah. medical marijuana summit that I listened to. Mm -hmm. It's really, really interesting. I'll put the link in the show notes if you guys are interested. And they give a couple talks for free. And I listened to that. And they're talking about how someone who's overweight, who has more fat, um, that yeah. they're going to uh, maybe need a little bit more of the medical marijuana than someone who is thinner. Um, actually... Um, I haven't found that to be the case mm. um, because there's an actually an advantage to having more um, fat cells on your body with marijuana. Again, because it gets stored in the fat cells in your body. The, I found that the patients that actually need to use it more frequently um, are my athletes. And these are athletes that are biking like 30 miles in a day, for instance. So they're, they're, they're pretty, you know, up there in terms of um, how athletic they are. But um, the, the, typically I've found, a, uh, you know, a lot of your fat metabolism is associated with how you're metabolizing the, the cannabinoids. So it's an advantage to actually have more fat um, on your body. I'm sorry. Allow me to correct myself. I think yeah. it, the distinction was yeah. if someone's overweight, the tinctures might work better for them than, say, a, a CBD oil pill. 
Um, I forget the reason exactly why. I was wondering if maybe you knew the difference, but I think it has to do um, with if the, they take the CBD oil, then uh, I forget the exact reasoning why. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't found that um, the dosing of marijuana um, is dependent on um, body weight. Uh, a lot of medications are. You have to calculate the dosage based on body weight. But I haven't found that to be the case um, with marijuana. Um, a lot of it has to do with the severity of the condition. Um, uh, and um, that's mainly what I found. Um, you know, the fat composition in your body as well is another thing that I found. So, um, so yeah, those are two, two uh, influencing factors. It's a lot different than, than prescription medications as well. So a, a lot of what we think, it's almost, it's, it's almost counterintuitive. You have to kind of think the opposite of, of marijuana. And what circumstances would you not recommend the use of medical marijuana? Sure. So, um, patients who have heart conditions, okay, um, where an increase in heart rate is likely to exacerbate that heart condition, okay? So if you have some sort of dysrhythmia, and the reason for this is that um, uh, chemicals in marijuana can increase your heart rate um, if, you, if you use too much of it. So you don't want to run, run that risk. Um, that's one group of patients. Second group of patients are my patients um, who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Usually I'm very cautious in recommending marijuana to them um, because um, that those psychoactive properties, again, if you take too much of it, it can cause hallucinations. So in these patients, it can... Um, uh, exacerbate, you know, it can, it can cause psychotic episodes. So we don't want that. Um, third group of patients, anybody who has any sort of lung conditions, um, you know, emphysema, asthma, obviously you don't want to be smoking marijuana and you may actually even not want to be vaporizing, um, uh, marijuana either. Um, another group of patients, um, uh, women that are pregnant or breastfeeding, um, the jury's sort of out um, when it comes to the research, right? But I tend to err on the side of caution because some research has pointed in the direction that using marijuana while you're while you're pregnant can lead to low birth weight and preterm labor and delivery. Um, so that's another group of patients that I'm very cautious with as well. Um, so yeah, it you know I I feel like it it is being touted as a wonder drug and it has a lot of medical application. But again. Um, you, you do want to be cautious with it. You know, um, you don't, you don't want to overdo it. And then in patients that have these conditions, you want to, um, uh, use it with a lot of caution. And what are your thoughts on claims that medical marijuana can cure cancer? I recently had a very dear friend of mine that I've known since mm -hmm. I was very young, uh, pass away from colon cancer and he was using, uh, medical marijuana to manage his sure. pain. But I think a lot of people, there's some information out there that it actually cures it. What are your thoughts? Okay. So we have a lot of compelling research in mice and in Petri dishes. Okay. We don't have enough information in humans. And what I found is that, uh, just in general research done in mice and in Petri dishes doesn't necessarily translate over to humans. So what we know in terms of research done in mice and Petri dishes is that, um, you know, marijuana, um, uh, affects, um, uh, the, the process by, so cancer cells, they kind of sort of escape this, uh, uh, process of apoptosis where cells supposed to die. There's programmed cell death. Um, and it escapes that process. Well, marijuana sort of reprograms a cell, 
so that it, it does die when it when it should die. Okay, so that's one process. The second process is is that it prevents these cancerous cells from um, traveling to other organs and then sticking to those organs and invading those other organs. You know, that's how you get metastasis, um, the, the spread of cancer to other organs. And then um, the other way that um, it's shown to influence cancer is that the cancers that are sensitive to hormones, um, it pretty much makes them less sensitive to those hormones. So it prevents, you know, their growth. But again, this is in mice and in petri dishes. We don't have enough information to go off of for humans. I mean, there's been very few studies done. One study was done on patients with um, uh, uh, glioblastoma, right, uh, multiform. And it was only 10 patients, okay? And these were patients that were terminal that had tried chemotherapy, and then they started using um, the marijuana. So it's not much information that we have to go off of. So would I make the claim that it cures cancer? Absolutely not. So after listening to this, I know a lot of people are going to be wondering, where can I get some medical marijuana? And so what are your thoughts on, say, if they're in a state that where marijuana is not legal for yeah. medical consumption, would you recommend uh, buying it off the street? Um, absolutely not. Um, and there, uh, there are several reasons for this. The first is is that it could very well be laced with something else. Um, um, I have found reports of where marijuana has been tested and it's been laced with ketamine um, or PCP even. So that that's sort of a big concern. Other concerns are that, you know, how is it handled? Does it have fungus or bacteria in it? And if especially if you're uh, uh, someone who is on a medication that's compromising your immune system, um, then you definitely don't wanna be exposing yourself to this fungus or this bacteria because it can make you really, really sick. Um, third thing is um, pesticides and fungicides, okay? So um, uh, you don't know how it was grown and what amounts of these pesticides and fungicides were used. And if there's a lot of this stuff in there, it can be toxic to you. So you may think that, oh, I'm gonna use marijuana because it's benefiting my health, but really what you may be doing is harming your health um, by getting it off the street. So, um, and unfortunately, we're kind of in, in a transition period in this country where some states have legalized it medically and recreationally and other states haven't. Um, those that live in states where it's, where it's uh, uh, legalized recreationally and medically, they, you know, obviously have access to better products because um, a lot of the states are mandating laboratory testing, which is important for obvious reasons. Yeah, and it's, you know, conceivable that there's a lot of money to be made in growing marijuana at this yeah. time and yeah. there's gonna be even more money to be made by spraying it with pesticides and fungicides because that's going to yeah. make the plants last yeah. longer and keep off the bugs and and whatnot and keep it looking pretty so yeah. you have to be very very careful you want organic yep. medical marijuana <laughs> like everything else. yeah so with the organic thing uh, it's not going to be certified organic mm -hmm. um yeah. so a lot of you know if, if, if a lot of when someone says that it's organic you're sort of kind of trusting their word um, to, to tell you that it's organic. Um, so if that's the case, I would inquire further about, okay, what do you mean by organic? You know, what, what, uh, how exactly are you growing it? Are you completely avoiding pesticides and fungicides? Are you using minimal amounts of it? So, um, inquire further, ask a lot of questions. You always want to know what you're putting in your body when it comes to marijuana, especially because the regulations aren't 
completely there yet. Yes. And, yeah. and also with these vape pens, there's yeah. a big problem, like you mentioned, with the butane mm-hmm. and the propane. Yep. And there's a lot of the, the vape pens that come, they'll have like a little strawberry or watermelon scent yeah. or... So what are your thoughts on those that, you know, because a lot of, you know, I'm sure teenagers, uh, they get their hands yeah. on these and they like the taste of the the watermelon or the strawberry kind of flavors. So yeah. what does someone need to look for when they're purchasing like a vape pen to avoid uh, toxic chemical solvents? So main thing is, is that what did they use to extract the chemicals in? Okay, what solvent did they use? Most solvents that are used are, are typically pretty bad for you, okay? Like a lot of those ones that I mentioned, propane, hexane, butane, those are common ones. Um, the, the safer one that I found is carbon dioxide, or it's also known as CO2. And that's how, uh, that's how essential oils are, that's how that oil is extracted as well, with the yeah. carbon dioxide, safe. Yeah, yeah, but um, most of them are, are, they're using, you know, um, hydrocarbons as solvents. So that's a big question to ask that, hey, I'm using this vape pen, and I want to know um, uh, what what you've used to extract the chemicals in. Now, the other thing is, is that if you say you do buy a vape pen, you don't know what's in it. The ones that use um, these these solvents, um, they you'll 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 find that they have a chemically aftertaste to them. Okay, so so that's important. Um, uh, the other thing is, is that again, because it's not a, a regulated industry, they may be using industrial grade solvents. Um, which may have other chemicals mixed in um, that may be toxic to your health. So um, I would, if you're going to use a vape, I usually generally advise my patients against using vape pens uh, unless they absolutely know what's in it um, and it's safe for them. But um, uh, if you do decide to use a vape pen, ask a lot of questions as to what exactly you're putting in your body. And what are all the safe extraction methods? So people are knowing, oh, carbon dioxide and this one, these are okay and really to avoid all the other ones. Um, so oils, natural oils like coconut oil, olive oil are safe. Um, uh, ethanol, okay, that that's another um, safe option. Um, and then carbon dioxide. Um, as far as I know, those are the three main um, um, uh, solvents that you can use that are safe. Okay, great. So pretty much avoid all the other ones. Like yeah. Just... Yeah, like there's naphtha that's used. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. All sorts of, uh, you know, uh, crazy uh, chemicals that, that are being used. Um, so, uh, just be careful okay. is what I would tell yes, you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, it seems to me that the, the vape pens that are preloaded, like they just come, you just buy it already in the yep. pen. Those probably be more likely to have solvents in them than the cartridges that you purchase. Not always, but it seems like yeah. perhaps the cartridges that you buy, it's more expensive to buy the pen separately and the cartridge itself, that yeah. those are probably going to be. Uh, more on the safe side and label. No, I, you know, Not I wouldn't always, make that assumption. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, it, even carbon dioxide um, uh, uh, extracted um, oils um, come in those cartridges as well. So, um, so don't go, run on assumption. Uh, always ask a lot of questions when, whenever you go to buy anything. I was just um, thinking more like if it was preloaded, like if yeah, you buy it and it's already complete. Those usually yeah. have flavors in them. And I don't, they yeah. just seem suspect to me. <laughs> you know. I, I'm suspect of, of vape pens in general. Okay, great. Okay, good. So, <laughs> so just be careful is, be what, is all I would tell you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I know they have to add flavors to make them more palatable and stuff. So it's problematic. Yeah, yeah. So or I, to even hide that chemically 
you know, flavor that yes. you get from whatever solvent that they're, that they're using. Yes. So, yeah. And so if listeners are looking to get more information on me medical marijuana, uh, what resources can they turn to? Sure. So a couple websites that I found very um, uh, informative. Okay. So there is a website called Normal, which is spelled N-O-R-M-L. Um, that's a good website to go to. That's a national organization on medical marijuana reform of laws or something like that. Um, Safe Access Now is another good website to go to. Um, uh, and then I have information on my website, um, www drrachnapatel.com. Um, so um, be careful where you get your information from um, when it comes to marijuana. There's a lot of claims being made um, that aren't necessarily justified. So um, get, get your information from good, credible sources. And is there anything else you want to add to our discussion about medical marijuana? Maybe some interesting tip that we left out? Um. I think we about covered we it We covered everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and thankfully we live in the United States. I know and there's yeah. some countries, uh, there's a death penalty for, uh, you yeah. know, uh, smuggling marijuana or something like that. So luckily yeah. here we recognize that it's safe, it's medicinal. I think it's a lot less uh, harmful than alcohol. Uh, so much Definitely. death and yeah. destruction and addiction and harm from yeah. alcohol and that's here's alcohol here's medical marijuana or marijuana yeah. in general yeah well even prescription medications i mean prescription medications can be pretty pretty harmful even something what we think is benign like tylenol you know that that can turn out to be pretty harmful uh if you take too much of it in the long run Absolutely. um so yeah yeah so definitely agreed on that one yeah, and you know, opioid, opioid medication definitely uses up all the glutathione in your liver, and then when that's all used up, you start to get liver damage. Same thing can happen with uh, Tylenol or you know, uh, over-the-counter pain medications, and you know, with medical marijuana, you don't have that problem. Yeah, typically not. I haven't found that it produces any toxic byproducts in the liver. Um, about seventy percent of it is processed in the liver. About thirty in um, Actually, it's the op uh, I don't remember, but it's part part of it is in the liver, part of it is in the kidneys, um, and I haven't found that it makes any sort of toxic byproducts. Right? Yeah, that's why we like it. And so yeah. I have a question I like to ask all of my my guests on the show. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Tough question. There's a lot of them. Being a doctor, you're so exposed, and especially as an ER doctor, you're exposed to so many pressing health concerns. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of what I saw in the ER were um, overdoses on uh, medications. I think that's a very huge concern um, uh, that I think is being um, sort of downplayed um, and, uh, you know, c needs to be brought into, into people's, um, awareness that, um, these medications can be a lot more dangerous than, than we think they are. And why aren't more doctors aware of medical marijuana and recommending it to their patients? Well, you know, we're, we're, when we're taught about it in medical school, we're taught about it as a drug of abuse, not as a, um, you know, uh, not, uh, we're not taught about its medical properties. So um, I think a lot, you know, a lot of it stems from that. So that's kind of where um, uh, that's number one. The other thing is, is that a lot of doctors um, are sort of uh, cautious um, or, or uh, yeah, cautious because, um, uh, the, you know, there's not enough research in humans um, at this point. So 
um, they don't have much uh, to go off of. Yeah, and it's one thing, double-blind studies, yeah, they're amazing. But yeah. as a physician, you hear, and as a health practitioner myself, you hear a lot of anecdotal evidence yeah. of medical marijuana working, and it worked on myself, and it worked on a friend, and, you know, there's so much anecdotal right. evidence. And that needs to be given a tremendous amount of weight because yeah. that's how, you know, that's how we learn about yeah. whether treatments are working or not. Yeah, I think taking the, the, what, what I see clinically, and then also what I'm seeing in preliminary preclinical studies helps me to, um, uh, 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 recommend this medication in a very safe way. Um, so yes, I, I do agree, you know, uh, that what we're seeing, what doctors that are recommending me medical marijuana, what they're seeing clinically is of significance. Now the anecdotes, again, you, you kind of, uh, you need to uh, kind of get all the important information because like, for instance, say someone's undergoing, um, someone has cancer. Usually, you know, in that state, uh, people are throwing everything that you can at the cancer. You know, they're going from all directions um, and say, you know, they do uh, end up going into remission. So, you know, it, they can say that the marijuana cured the cancer, but could it have been something else that they were using as well? You know, could it have been the chemo? Could it have been some other alternative um, uh, route that they took that could have helped? So the anecdotes need to, you kind of need to sift out the important information from those anecdotes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also uh, the listeners out there and their friends and I think there's a stigma about yes. about marijuana because it's typically been seen as a, a an abused drug, right. illegal drug. And definitely Ronald Reagan's campaigns in the 80s did not help yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, criminalizing marijuana. And, you know, and I recommend it to a client before and she was very turned off. Uh, by it and probably me because of it. And I think there's probably a, a, a big stigma out there because people just aren't educated enough yep. about its benefits. And then the physicians don't want to recommend it because they don't want to look uh, like a, a quack, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so although, you know, I think in the past 10 years, we've made a lot of progress um, in terms of, um, I've definitely found that there are more and more physicians that are open to it. Um, uh, I think, you know, I think it started all with California, you know, back in 1996 and look at how far we've come. It's now 2016. So that is a tremendous amount of progress to make in, in a matter of 10 years. And I think in the next 10 years, we'll, we'll make even more progress. Yes. Let's get all those states yeah. so if in your state yeah. vote to legalize marijuana or at least medical marijuana, yeah. because it is such, I think it's such an amazing medication, like you said, with very little toxic or no toxic back on the body and uh, so many benefits. And it's just, I think it's a wonderful medication. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone, if you want to go learn more about Dr. Patel, go to drrachnapatel.com, D-R-R-A-C-H-N-A-P-A-T-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about detoxification, you can go to my website, mineralpower.com. You can also check out my main website, live2110.com, where you can learn all about nutrition and lifestyle improvements and detoxification, which is my favorite subject. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic day.